When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tents. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, for some reason, the aquarium hobby loves to impose rules on everything, particularly about what you can and cannot do in your tanks and, you know, what's good, what's not. Now, look, I'm the first guy to tell you that some rules are important, like nature's rules about what can and cannot work, you know, the nitrogen cycle, stuff like that universal aquarium constants that although we'd love to skirt them cheat a bit and work around them we simply can't because the universe doesn't work that way we've all run into those haven't we now you know don't overstock your tank don't add a ton of fishes to a new tank all at once don't mix wildly incompatible fishes in the same tank don't neglect the basic tenets of aquarium husbandry rules that are supported by common sense and when broken will almost always manifest in ways that can be harmful, even devastating for your fishes. Yet in the hobby, we seem to love to fall back on rules or doctrines in order to justify things that we believe in or which conveniently fit the narrative that we're trying to push. We're admonished by experts and the community at large not to do stuff a certain way, lest, you know, some bad outcome ensue. And often the reasons given are either ludicrous, you know, because it's not the way you're supposed to do it, misguided, based on outdated information, or worse yet, regurgitated third-hand information. Now, often, this stuff is metered out with an air of undisputed authority by those who fancy themselves thought leaders or self-anointed experts who may have never even attempted anything remotely close to what's being discussed. This is not helpful. I recall facing this kind of pushback when I started, you know, Tannin Aquatics back in 2015, we're sort of pushing our emerging philosophy of truly natural botanical method aquariums. We took incoming fire in, you know, from like all sorts of directions, like so many things in the hobby, the advice and the cautions were often, you know, dished out by well-meaning hobbyists who with no firsthand experience were simply regurgitating stuff that they've heard for years and years from others. The result was that those types of aquariums became a sort of hobby pariah relegated to receiving, you know, hushed whispers and discussions. And hobbyists who dared, you know, pierce the botanical barrier were often looked at as foolhardy, perhaps even rebellious souls who simply wanted to do something that made others wince. And some of these people were real assholes about it for reasons which I still can't figure out why. I I'm not exaggerating here. This was literally what botanical method aquarium keeping was like for many years. And I found it a bit funny because the practices that we developed and embraced were ecologically sound and at least as methodical and well thought out as those being used to create blackwater aquariums for decades before we ever arrived on the scene. I mean, aquarium blackwater conditions were embraced by hobbyists who bred, you know, killifishes, kerosens, epistos, stuff like that for generations. But curiously, only when they were trying to breed these fishes. So we came along and said, you know, that just seems kind of acceptable to the self-appointed 
you know, hobby guardians, yet somehow maintaining these kind of ecologically sound conditions 365 days a year was somehow foolhardy and rebellious. I found that so interesting. Like, why would hobbyists only utilize these conditions when they're trying to breed fishes? What about the other 362 days of the year, right? I mean, the benefits were at least rudimentally understood. So why not just keep the fishes under these environmental conditions, the ones they've evolved under for eons, full-time? Like, wouldn't that just make sense? Why was this, you know, problematic? I just couldn't get my head around that. So I joined a small, rather quiet, yet adventurous group of hobbyists who decided that there was something to this stuff and did just that. My world was filled with, you know, blackwater aquariums, reef tanks, and tanks filled with decomposing leaves and seed pods, and it was fun and enlightening, and I learned a ton. Oh, and I never had a goddamn pH crash either. Notice I never once said that I, I invented this stuff, because I didn't. No one did. No one created this idea or invented the process. No one created rules for how this stuff works. Nature did. Nature. <laughs> so, you know, n- now look, it's perfectly logical to want to create best practices, etc. in the hobby. We want to have our fellow hobbyists succeed. That's cool. That's how the hobby thrives. And it, you know, a lot of them make a lot of sense. They help other hobbyists recreate the same successes that you're having. But all those so-called rules and you can't proclamations from experts don't always achieve that. Sure, they might discourage a few downright incompetent hobbyists from going down a path to near certain failure, one that they were likely headed to regardless of you know what they did, by the way. But for the bulk of hobbyists, I think they stifle both creativity and progress. They simply discourage people from trying new ideas and approaches to stuff. We don't want to do that as a hobby. We'll stagnate. Listen to the advice of, you know, good-hearted fellow hobbyists. However, balance it with a little study and observation of your own. I'm a firm believer in looking to nature for inspiration in both form and function when it comes to aquariums. There's so much we can learn by observing the wild aquatic habitats of the world and considering how they function. You only have to read this blog, listen to this podcast, or attend my lectures to get your head around that stuff. Now, being a you know, rather progressive hobbyist and student of nature, uh, you know, doesn't absolve you from common sense. And look, just because we tell you something's cool and successful doesn't mean that it's the best way to go. And when I see this going the other direction, I'm going to call it out too. Look, every single aquarium doesn't have to have decomposing leaves, biofilms, brown water, and sediment-filled substrate to be called inspired by nature or whatever. I know I trash on that a lot, but Last I read, the processes which govern the nitrogen cycle of my aquarium in Los Angeles are the same ones that govern the nitrogen cycle in the Igarapes of Amazonia. So, yeah, nature, you know. And every aquarium doesn't have to be a copy of a specific natural habitat or a biotope. Otherwise, every tank becomes some tightly labeled rule-imposed enclosure, and we end up in the same old militant us-versus-them position that's turned off hobbyists to some of these movements for years. Yuck sucks. I've seen this sort of crap turning up on biotope enthusiast forums and blackwater aquarium groups lately in ridiculous nitpicking that serves no purpose except to expose, you know, those who call out others as jerks, quite honestly. There's, look, there's some incredibly talented, really great hobbyists in that area in the biotope world, and there's much to learn from them. Yet there are some total jerks who feel that, you know, Every tank needs to meet their, you know, extremely rigid standards to be considered some sort of serious work. It's downright crazy. 
Look, do what you love and do it in a way that you love to do it. Call it what you want, but be mindful of the words to, that, you know, that you use and what they mean. If you must apply a label to your work, I think biotope-inspired or natural style are great, much more apt, broad descriptions for hobbyists to use. I think they cause far fewer skirmishes, really. When we get right down to it, even the most hardcore biotope aquarium, as lauded by the establishment in that world, still isn't 100% perfectly accurate, no matter what they, whoever the fuck they are, say. A working definition of the word biotope from Wikipedia, a pretty good one in my opinion, is useful. They define it as a biotope is an area of uniform environmental conditions providing a living space for a specific assemblage of plants and animals. Biotope is almost synonymous with the term habitat, which is more commonly used in English-speaking countries. The word biotope, literally translated, means an area where life lives. And that's kind of broad, isn't it? We should celebrate the art, the research, the effort, and the knowledge that, you know, was accumulated and shared in order to create all these cool aquariums and these contests and stuff. Sure, in a competitive situation, I suppose it's important to follow the rules of the judging criteria. But for our hobby efforts, using a guava leaf instead of a Bertholithia excessa leaf because you can't collect or obtain them legally is not a disqualifier. Sorry, guys, it just isn't. Yeah, if hobbyists can obtain the actual Amazonian leaves because, I don't know, they're from a protected habitat maybe, does that invalidate the aquarium from consideration as a biotope aquarium? I mean, come on. Now, I know people will defend that and say, no, you're being ridiculous. But that's the dogma that you see in these forums. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll bet that 90% of the most hardcore judges and critics of these contests couldn't even tell the difference once these leaves are submerged, softened, and covered in a patina of biocover. They couldn't tell if it's an oak leaf, a catapa leaf, a leaf from whatever tree in your garden in the North Pacific Northwest of the United States versus Southeastern England versus Amazonia. So why get so dogmatic about this stuff? We get really worked up, really pissy about this shit. Even with the contest winners, you, you, know, you can take this attitude and nitpick it to the nth degree if you really want to use these standards. Okay, I will. I mean, what about the substrate? Is it absolutely Rio Negro region Podzol from the Andes? No. Oh, not a biotope aquarium then, right? In every, is, you know, is every species of wood used in the tank from the surrounding Varzea forest of Amazonia? No. Oh, oops, it's not a biotope aquarium. Is every freaking bacteria, fungi, paramecium, etc. the exact species that comes from the region being represented? Huh? Is it? Is it? Okay, I think I made my point here. I'm probably being kind of a dick on it. But it's like, at some point, you know, people have to relax. And I'll never be loved by these people who organize these contests. I get it. And I really couldn't care less. But I'll happily point out the inconsistencies when they come up. Now, you can create unusual progressive aquariums without falling into the dogma trap set by some egotist. You can simply replicate, you know, the practices employed by somebody else who's willing to learn themselves and share how they learned it and how they do it. Case in point, I've been playing a lot over the last few years with my interpretation of a sort of a more evolved brackish water aquarium, one in, which embraces, you know, muddy or sedimented substrate growth of live mangroves, and encourages the accumulation of fallen and decomposing leaves. It's worked fabulously for many fishes. Over the years, I've refined this approach so that it's literally a matter of setting up a tank a certain way, following some simple practices, and you can easily create an easy-to-manage, ecologically sustainable brackish water aquarium. One that's a little biologically more interesting than the ones that have been done for years and years. No rules, no you-must-do-this admonitions, just a suggested set of practices if you want to achieve this type of result. And the result is that I'm able to more easily recreate the 
this real enjoyable, successful, easy to manage aquarium repeatedly. And so can most any hobbyist who understands the approach, follows our suggestions and adheres to nature's rules of ecology, not my rules. Sure, there are other ways to create a successful brackish water aquarium. This is just one approach. One which works really well, repeatedly for me and for other people who have, uh, have you know, played with it. So perhaps it's worth checking out or not. It's your call. I'm not here to nitpick what you do, nor tell you that if you don't follow what works for me, that you're some kind of idiot. I will tell you that you should at least consider some of what we talk about here and incorporate it into your tank because it works repeatedly and can make your life easier. But, you know, hey, that's just me. So the next time you or someone you know is being called out because you don't conform to their expectations of what they think is correct or proper or whatever, maybe you could push back just a bit and show them the absurdity of it all. And thank them for giving a damn. I mean, and just perhaps taking the time to say, hey, isn't this cool? We all care so much about this stuff that we have an intense passion for it. I mean, that's cool, right? Imagine how much that would do to, you know, to bring it around to what the hobby is really all about. Having fun, educating, and sharing. A world, a world in which any deviation from these standards isn't seen as reckless or sloppy or undisciplined or just plain shitty. <laughs> Comparisons are made of many of these aquariums to nature, yet other than the fact that they contain live organisms, most of the tanks that are celebrated by a whole lot of hobbyists fall way short of nature, even by their own critical standards. It's kind of funny to me. What about celebrating function? What about celebrating sustainability? Function over the long term. Those are important things, yet in our visual-centric hobby, those are seldom touched on as just the superficial appearance of stuff is seemingly more important. I mean, we should touch on this stuff, the looks and so forth, but that's only part of the equation. Now, what caused this mindset to saturate everything? In my opinion, I think it's, a lot of it's the misappropriation of the word nature within the hobby that's led us to this point. Specific aesthetics of nature are met with, you know, real high praise. The stuff which goes against the rules is dismissed out of hand, categorized as dangerous, undisciplined, whatever. And personally, I feel that's why large parts, not all, of course, of the freshwater aquarium hobby have been in a sort of a semi-stagnation for a couple of decades, a position that definitely opens me up and some of my colleagues up to criticisms, I get it. However, they're totally worth enduring because they leave no doubt about where we stand and quite frankly, I think I'm correct in this thinking. Many hobbyists simply don't want to let go of traditional ways of thinking about and approaching aquarium work. Now, sure, you have unbreakable natural rules like those which govern processes like the nitrogen cycle. You can't get around those. However, the way which we interpret and approach many of the things which happen in our aquariums is all up for review, in my opinion. And a lot of hobbyists are really ready to do this. At the risk of being a bit weird for quoting myself, I think I expressed a good part of our philosophy here at Tannen in this passage that I'm going to read to you from a piece I wrote several years back. I wrote, suffice it to say, there are no rules in rediscovering the unfiltered art beneath the surface. Our movement believes in representing nature as it exists in both form and function without removing the very attributes of randomness and resulting function that make it so amazing. I'm pretty inspired by that philosophy. Keeps me motivated to push out further, to think about how to try unique and different things, and occasionally to bend the rules. And to you, I say, stay bold, stay curious, stay steady, stay motivated. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.